0: Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the How to Raise Money podcast with me, Ray McLennan.
1: And it's with me, Nigel T. Best. Raymondo, how the devil are you, sir? Uh,
0: yes, good, good. And you, how are you? We, I should start off by asking how you are. For a oh, change.
1: hey, tickety-boo, <laughs> could run a mile, leap a style and eat a country pancake. You know, all's <laughs> good. All's yeah. good. Thank you, sir. Mm.
0: But interesting times, hey? Well, yes. Um, Yeah, we've had a couple of emails in about, uh, well, sort of raising money in unusual ways. Uh, Are there unusual ways to raise money? Well, you know, um, very, very, there's not meant very many things new under the sun, but there are certainly a lot of things that are in the shadows did you like what I did there um and a lot of these are things like allowances that people are not claiming and are unaware of and it's it, it, it kind of came to the fore because I've been chatting with developers and and when I mention some of these things to them they look at you and say well why didn't my accountant tell me about that um which is a, an obvious question why, why doesn't an accountant an accountants seem to know some of these things but uh, it's good it's handy if you're a developer if you're looking at uh property if you're looking at raising money for a business it's handy to know some of the things to ask so we've got a list uh, of a number of things here um and usual with our lists it'll <laughs> it will grow um but we've we've got a list of some stuff here um and again we'll have a handy download so you won't need to be if you're driving listening to this you won't need to be scribbling notes or anything like that you will get a handy pdf type download um of some of these hidden allowances. So Nigel, without further ado, well, seeing as you're the accountancy side of this uh, equation, you, you wanna start with number one? Uh, well, I'll deny all knowledge
1: of anything, but I, I like the way you just gave me the job there of making the PDF. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you've virtually yeah. done it anyway.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, stiffed on something straight away, folks. This is how we roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, uh, folks, A lot of these things are uh, just understanding what's out there. When Ray mentioned that, you know, accountants sometimes don't advise. And it's one of my biggest bugbears is that uh, you never get a comment from your accountant until December the 31st, you know, about 4.58 in the afternoon. And you sort of you're waiting for your numbers to come back from the accountants. And they say, oh, you've done quite well this year. You know, you should have been thinking about doing this, this and this. (laughs) And you go, right, well, we'll do it. Well, we can't do any now because the banks are shut. This is shut. You can't do that. And you've lost all your allowances for the year. And they never have that conversation with you with about eight months to go. So you can do some planning. So, Ray, you are absolutely right. If you have a bit of information, even if it's just the title of the scheme or the thing, you can at least throw it to the accountant and say, tell me about this. Does it apply to me? Does it apply to my situation? How do I take advantage of it? And, you know, let's do it in plenty of time so that it actually gets into the accounting year and we don't fall foul of it, miss our exemptions, miss our allowance and end up paying money that we, you know, the government says you don't have to pay this. So I don't know why people get on their high horse and say you're dodging tax. You go, well, no, the rules actually say You only do this, you only pay this if you are a poorly educated fool. And the government loves to keep us all poorly educated fools. So maybe today's episode is to uh, maybe not, uh, you know, remove the fool bit when it comes to me, but um, maybe improve our education a bit. So, all right, um, Ray, I'm just going to quickly hit a few headline sort of names and schemes sort of thing that we'll, we'll try and do a bit on. So we've got things like capital allowances, enterprise investment schemes, seed enterprise investment schemes, business property relief, R&D tax credits, business rates relief. You've got land remediation relief. Um, You've got other things in there like enhanced capital allowances, patent box, um, the patent box regime. Uh, Some of these are new to me, folks. Creative industry tax reliefs. Uh, the social investment tax relief, business asset disposal relief. Um, I remember that from Entrepreneurs Relief. So that's the new name for that. And then, Mm -hmm. of course, you've got uh, stamp duty land tax as well. Knowledge on there can save you a lot of money on that. So they're the sort of things that we're going to be looking at. There will be other smaller things. Uh, I always remember uh, when I was doing my uh, tax exams, Ray, uh, you could claim, I think you could claim 100% relief on any money you spent on making satellites, uh, which, uh, funnily enough, at the time at the firm I worked worked with, uh, we didn't have an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos or a whatever uh, working there. But um, yeah, there are all sorts of things out there, folks. So if that list, if you're sort of thinking, yep, yeah, I know them, I know them, I know them, uh, fine great i hope you're using them if a lot of those are i don't have a clue what they are ray we're not going to go into full detail we're not going to advise we're not going to do anything like that we're just going to talk about roughly what what it it kind of is involved in it and then i think folks it's up to you to take that as ray says to your accountant and say i've got a list of things i want to use it um i mean ray actually just forgotten one uh the incentives for electric vehicles in the UK at the moment, mm-hmm. um, you know, it are just you can uh I don't know if it, it's still there, but you could effectively write off the entire cost of the vehicle in year one. Uh so you're not sort of depreciating it and spreading it over the life of the vehicle or anything like that. So that takes out a big chunk of profits. You could also then get more than 100% of the value of the vehicle if you had installed uh, an electric charging point at your office or your place of work. So if you Mm -hmm. work from home, I see no reason why you couldn't install one at home. Um, And uh, things like that. So there's amazing things. And the benefit in kind on an electric vehicle in the UK is still only 2% of its list price compared to, you know, a vehicle that is at 30, you know, it lets out a lot of CO2. um, You can get taxed at 37% of its list value. So instead of adding, so say you had a hundred grand car, wouldn't that be nice? Um, Essentially, if that is a petrol one at the highest rate, it's as if you are earning an extra 37,000 pounds a year. Now, that would put you almost in the super high tax income tax rate at -hmm. that point. If you had an electric vehicle at a hundred thousand pounds,
0: which is basically a Tesla.
1: Well, yeah. Those top end suckers. Yeah. At 2%, it's only like an equivalent 2000 pounds of income. So it's a folks, if, if you haven't, if you've got some, if you're generating some money and you've been umming and ahhing about a vehicle, Seriously, check out the electric one at the moment. The incentives are huge. But anyway, um, right. let's have that as the first one. I'll, I'll kick it back to you whilst I go away and prepare this PDF uh, for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <All> <laughs> so right. first one, electric vehicles.
0: There you go. There's electric vehicles. All right. About. Well, the second one would be capital allowances. I mean, this is one, uh, like I say, I mentioned this to a developer the other day, and uh, he was kind of unsure. Uh, and it was a situation where they were buying a building. And they were going to renovate this building. And he he hadn't asked the specific question. So when he did ask the question, they had to go and find out whether or not capital allowances had been claimed on the building, because apparently it's something that can only be claimed once. Um, And on investigation, discovered that the capital allowances had not been claimed. They were doing a very serious refurb, which was spending, uh, you know, well into, I think it was one, one and a half million they were going to be spending um so the, the so this was going to be a huge um tax relief on on certain expenses and you know purchase of machinery equipment fixtures and commercial properties that sort of thing these allowances um allow you to deduct a portion of the cost from your taxable profit so you can reduce your overall tax liability so if you're doing any kind of renovation in a commercial building uh, ask your accountant about capital allowances find out if they've been claimed on that building uh, yes or no and um uh, It could be something that uh, could be quite lucrative. Uh, Now, looking at that list, Nigel, that you'd mentioned and spoke about earlier on, there is one there that's not on that list, which is quite a large feature for commercial. If you're buying commercial property, it's quite a large feature. And I'll mention that one at the end. So remind me to mention that one at the end. um, And uh, I will briefly Chuck that one in. But if you're listening to this, you're buying a commercial building or about to, or even if you have bought a commercial building, there's an allowance in there you may not have considered, and we'll mention it at the very end.
1: All right. I'm almost certain to forget that, but there we go. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The thing about capital allowances, folks, you can't get it on everything. So uh, often in buildings, you will only get it on uh, communal areas. And what we're talking about is the installation of things like the cables the sockets the light fittings those sort of things and it can tot up to a big amount of money but curb your enthusiasm to some extent because that is the amount upon which they then apply a tax rate and you can do it on a I think it's on a reducing balance or a, a whatever um so they may you may get a company that says oh we've found you five hundred thousand of capital allowances I think you can only use ten percent of it uh per year to put against profits. So if you and and these firms will charge a pretty penny, they will charge you up front, potentially for creating this report. So we'll charge 20% of what you can claim. So 20% of 500,000, 100,000 pounds to get this report done. Ooh, That's quite impressive. It means it's going to be several years before you will notice the difference because you can only say, take 10%, knock 50,000 off. What's the tax on 50,000 at, say, 20%? It's Mm 10,000. So you've only saved yourself 10,000 pounds in tax paid, but you've paid 100,000 to get the report done. Do your sums, folks. Get the accountant involved. Find out what it is. However, I do know that some people, uh, to add to this, Ray, they will seek out the capital allowances, get an indication of it, and use that as an element of value when they are selling the property or building. Um, and they can say, we've got unclaimed capital allowances here of X. Mm-hmm. Um, that obviously has a, a net present value in terms of, uh, you know, to the business or whatever it is you're selling. Um, and it, it can be a, an extra incentive. So yeah. Interesting. Interesting is that one. Have a look at it. Um, Enterprise investment schemes. Ray, you've you've been involved in in some of these, haven't you? Uh Um, Yeah. For the next one. So, I mean, overall, this is a lot of these things, folks. When you're looking at the tax things, why are the government doing it? It's because you're wanting to get people to take a risk, to invest in something, to do something, to give them some incentive to do it. I know a lot of people will argue that's too much of an incentive. That's crazy. They would have done it anyway, but it's funny, right? I was, um, uh, a friend of my wife is doing, uh, some training as uh, some, uh, new qualification and she had to do an accounting module and she's been sending me all these things saying, how do I work out this? What's the acid test and, and all the rest of it. And I, I had palpitations and hot flushes as I panicked and, and had a bit of, uh, you know, flashback to doing my accounts exams of about 25, 30 years ago. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't remember. Anyway, one of them that I remember her talking about was the net present value. And folks, at the moment, what, well, she looked at the calculations. She said, I don't understand why, you know, money now uh, is, is worth more than money in the future. And I just said, right, look, this is inflation, a hundred pounds now, if you've got inflation over a year, the end of the year, if inflation's 10%, your money is actually gonna only be worth 90% of what it is today. And so this net present value, and it was a, should I invest? So this enterprise investment scheme ties in with this sort of thing. It was, okay, should I invest in this scheme? Is it worth it? And you say, well, let's say we had to buy some machinery and it's hundred thousand pounds. It will last for five years and it generates 30,000 pounds of extra profit a year. Is it worth me doing it now off the top of your head? You'd say, well, a hundred thousand in five times thirty is 150 back. Yeah. You do it. Cause you make 50,000 pounds, but the effects of a discount factor or inflation means that actually £30,000 in income in five years' time is not like £30,000 now. And this is, you know, one of the things. So you will see on the news, in the media, it'll say businesses are not investing at the moment. Uh, They're deciding against doing a big investment. And you'll think, I wonder why. Well, it's because they've done this net present value. So the future cash flows, if it was, if you got paid it today, net of inflation or whatever it might be, how much would that be? Okay. Now how much is the investment? And they just look, which is bigger. If the investment cost is never going to be recouped, you don't invest. And this, when you've got inflation at 10, 12%, this is what they're doing. And they're saying, right, hang fire. Don't borrow money now to buy this investment because the returns are not gonna be enough to make it worthwhile. So with that as a kind of a context, some of these tax reliefs are to try and help people overcome um, you know, some of these reasons why you wouldn't invest because the government needs us to grow, get the economy going, grow. And some of these things uh, are built around that. But uh, Ray, enterprise investment scheme.
0: Yeah. Um... Well, the Enterprise Investment Scheme, uh, I suppose, is a, it's a government initiative to provide tax incentives to investors who are going to invest in small, high-risk companies, and you can claim income tax relief on investments up to a certain limit. Um, I, I think the maximum any company can take is one and a half million. And if you're putting money into this, if a company is EIS registered, and you'll you'll often find that if you're looking to invest in companies, if you go to some of these um Crowdfunding platforms, like you know, Seed C- Cedars or Angels Den or someone like that, they'll usually have a little a little logo in the top that says EIS eligible, um, and that's because people who who are staring down the barrel of a large tax bill might want to invest in EIS to reduce that tax bill. So, what's the benefits of it? The benefits of it of it, of it are if the company does really really well, then you don't need to pay any capital gains tax on the gain that you might make. If the company doesn't do so well, then, you know, and you lose your money or whatever it is, you, you're, you're not going to be penalized twice. You're not going to have to pay tax twice on it. So it's it's, it's a good incentive for startups. Um, scale-ups would you probably use seed enterprise investment scheme. But like anything, you have to get proper advice. You'd have to speak to your accountant about it. You'd have to speak to the company about it. You'd have to look it up yourself and find out if it's something for you. Uh, do you want to raise money through uh, enterprise investment, or do you want to invest under enterprise investments? Either way, it can be very, very beneficial. And it's certainly worth looking at.
1: Yeah, Ray. Right. I mean, if if you've got a scheme that you're putting out there, and you get it registered for EIS, and your investors can, um, if it all goes wrong, they can get loss relief. So in other words, if they lose, say 100,000 pounds, they can put that against other investments uh, and net it off. Uh, so it's not as if, there isn't some way of sort of mitigating the loss from the investor's point of view, but also it's that capital gain. These are small companies that could, you know, your shares in it, you might put a hundred thousand pounds in, especially on the seed enterprise investment scheme, which is kind of allied to this. Um, You see these angel investors and the likes of Dragons, Den Den and Shark Tank, and they're putting a hundred thousand in. And they're thinking to themselves, do you know what? If we get this going and we get the, you know, this technology is proven or whatever, it's a 20 times multiple. My 100,000 investment could be worth 2 million. Now, what an incentive that if that 1.9 million gain is exempt from tax. Holy moly. You know, it's suddenly a hell of a return, isn't it? Because normally right, when you're asking people uh, lend me a hundred thousand pounds i'll pay you ten percent that ten percent is their income and they're going to have to potentially pay tax on that income so if you can say lend me this buy the shares and any uplift will be a capital gain that isn't taxed you know use it to your advantage here folks use <laughs> use it to your advantage um and it might be. Ray, have you have you ever had uh, people who've been proposing a deal and you've sort of gone to them and said, have you I think if you do this under EIS rules, investors will be much more interested.
0: Uh, yes, they they are much more interested. You get a higher uptake um, if you're doing uh, crowdfunding, let's say. and and you've got two companies that are pretty similar and one's got EIS and one hasn't, the one that's got EIS will get investment quicker. Definitely.
1: There you go. go. Yeah. All right. Uh, Fascinating stuff. So there's a a couple of great ones to do that. Um, Another one, uh, some of you might be in this position, business property relief. This is typically, um, they always talk about if you've got shares in unlisted companies. And if you think about it, probably, probably, uh, most companies by a long way are unlisted. In other words, not on a stock market. Um, there's always difficulties in valuing these things, or, you know, how much are the shares worth, especially if there aren't any tangible assets. If there's a blooming great building, um, that's easier to value what it's worth. If it's intellectual property, if it's knowledge, IP, all these, you know, elements in there, it can be harder to determine the value of. Uh, your shares. However, um a lot of these things you're worried, aren't you? because um at the moment, Ray, there's an awful lot of baby boomers who've still got involvement in businesses they've built over the last fifty years. They're worried about um inheritance tax and and losing all these sort of things. Um, you know, how do you do it? How do you do it? it's It's one of these things that if if you're wanting to hand things down, which would mean that you don't crystallize any tax bills and you can then there's still value in the business and that business can be used as an asset to raise money but you you know you're uncertain of how all these things fit together get to your accountant pretty toot sweet folks because you've got to get these things in place it is too late if somebody passes away it's potentially with a lot of these things too late to do it and i would say it would also be very difficult if someone Um, unfortunately gets diagnosed with dementia and loses mental capacity, Mm. the ability to then step in and make business decisions. If you don't have power of attorney for finance and um, financial affairs and things like that, these things become horribly messy. So if you're thinking about some of these things and you're wanting to use to secure long-term assets for legacy and your family and to be able to use to raise money in the future, Go get it sorted out, folks. Go get it sorted out.
0: Definitely do it sooner rather than later. We did an episode on trusts, family trusts, that sort of thing. And Mm. that also included uh, powers of attorney. Um, And that came on the the back of uh, a friend of mine who I knew who had a a business, him and his business partner, walking down the street and the business partner, you know, early 50s collapsed. He had an, an aneurysm and was a couple of years in hospital. And during that time, no decisions could be made. Uh, it was just an awful time. And he reckons that financially it cost them over a million pounds in um, trying to tidy up all the things that were going wrong and deals and decisions that could be made and so on. Um, and they had discussed it, but they hadn't done anything about it. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, mm, gosh, you know, uh, I need to know more about that. Write to us, um, hello at htrmoney.co.uk. Ask about, just put trust in the subject line. Um, or tax tax reliefs in the subject line and we will send you a list. Again, no charge for that. we'll just send it through to you. Um, and what you decide to do with that is is then up to you. but um, I'm constantly um, reinforcing this with business owners. When you have a business, if you've started if you've got property, if you're listening to this and you own you know a number of properties, whatever that number might be, then you you owe it to yourself and your family and your business colleagues to get these things in order. Um, it's, it's not expensive if you do it now, but it can be very expensive. And when I say not expensive, you know, setting up a trust with all the bits and pieces, bells and whistles is usually a couple of thousand pounds. It's not massively expensive, but again, it's better done in the light of day when everybody knows what's happening. And, um, what Nigel said there is absolutely true. Get powers of attorney and things in place. Otherwise you could be stuck. And now a power of attorney, just to let you know, to put in place, um, only costs about 80 quid. Um, The fees are about £80 there or thereabouts. You need a couple of them. You need a financial one and you need one for health as well. Um, But they take about three months to set up. By the time you get the paperwork in, it's all got to be signed in a specific order by specific people and so on and then sent back. So it can take about three months to get these things in place. But um, it's something you really ought to do. Okay, what's next? Ray,
1: uh, a couple of people I know have voiced concerns, saying, well, I, I don't want my 'er ne'er-do-well kids to suddenly take over and do all the rest of it well you you can only enact this thing um if somebody says right i've got power of attorney i want to step in and do it you will be written to by the i think it's the guardianship office now or something um and they will write and say oh this person's wanting to enact the power of attorney now if you're still compass mentors you still got your marbles you're still sort of there Slogging away ten hours a day, six days a week, and all the rest of it. This might hit you as a bit of a bolt out of the blue, but that's when you can step in and say, "No, no, no, I'm fine." Uh, you can't do it. Um, so there are people can't just suddenly gain access to your bank accounts and and fleece you and and do all the rest of it. It does take a while to step in, and wheels and cogs have to turn before a power of attorney is con- confirmed as being enacted. Um, they obviously, uh, die if you die, they die, Mm -hmm. um, because then it all goes into inheritance tax and all the rest of things. And that's why, as Ray says, you need to think about inheritance tax planning and, and things like that, because folks, you know, it, it's pretty easy for people to fall foul of these things and a property, uh, when it goes to probate, the value of the property exceeds the threshold and the only way that you can pay the tax is to sell that property um it can trigger all sorts of things that you might have thought oh this is great we'll live in the family home mm-hmm. you know come the day and all of a sudden you can't and you're selling the property to pay a tax bill so have the conversations get things in place well worth it
0: that's it um it is the office of the public uh, public guardian office of the public guardian in the on in the UK um, which you can do through gov.uk website. If you just type in OPG Office of the Public Guardian, you'll get all the information there. Okay, right. You know. Okay. Um, I think that's probably enough for people to be going on with. At this yeah. Point. Let's
1: let's finish um, on you know. death and death <laughs> and losing mental capacity. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. No, but uh, again, if you're listening to this, you have property. the the over, The thing to take away is, if you have property, if you have a business, and you haven't looked at these things for a while. Now that we're, you know, getting into, oh, well, I know everybody's busy, but um, it's a good time to start talking to your accountant about these things. I uh, like Nigel says, not at, you know, midnight on the 31st of December um, or five to five. Um, certainly sometime around the summertime is always a good time. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we brought this up. Have a look at all the reliefs that you could possibly benefit from, but also have a look at various other things, powers of attorney, family trusts, that sort of thing. Get your... Uh, Get your affairs in order, uh, so that when the day comes and it won't be a panic. But yeah, it, it's usually a panic. So try and try and avoid the panic. And
1: and the the funny thing is, Ray, if if you give yourself time, you can map out scenarios. Because what do they say? Always start with the end in mind. Yeah. And if you know what the end is, then it's easier to go to an accountant and say, right, this is where we want to end up. What do we do now to make sure that that is achievable? And that may well take some time and it may take some toing and froing, and some family discussions or other discussions, business partner discussions, whatever it is, that can all take time. And depending on what you want the outcome to be, the accountant will say, do this in this specific order. If you don't do that, the accountant's going to say, well, I can give you some rough advice, but if you change your mind and, and say you want to do this at the end, then all this is the wrong thing to do now. Mm. And you will end up being penalized for it. So, folks, this is go away, start the conversation, have a think, where do I want to be? What do I want to do? And then you can uh, put it together. And, yeah, definitely give yourself six months before the year at your accounting year end to potentially
0: get these things in place. So. So um, finishing off, um, I did say, uh, for those of you that oh, are yeah. going, forgotten. oh, well, hang on a minute. I fast forwarded to the end. What is that tax relief that um, Ray was mentioning? Um, it, it it came up. Um, there was uh, a guy doing commercial conversions. There are people doing commercial conversions around the country, which is basically taking offices, which are now lying empty because people are working from home, and they are converting them into residential. And this particular one, the purchase price was $2.5 million, Um. Uh, And the agent was saying, no, no, it's two and a half million plus VAT. And there's half a million pounds worth of VAT to be paid. And we said to the agent, well, no, we're going to opt out of the VAT. And the agent, who was a commercial agent of many years standing, had never heard of this. But there is a thing called the VAT form 1614D. Uh, You can look it up, 1614D VAT form, which essentially allows you to opt out of paying VAT. Now, um, in this case, it was £500,000. And it's not a huge form. It is literally two pages long. It's uh, called a Certificate to Disapply the Option to Tax Buildings to be Converted into Dwellings. Yeah, there's the long version. But it's essentially 1614D. So if you are uh, converting something that was formerly classed as commercial, so that could be, you know, a pub, and you've taken over a pub, and you're making it into an HMO or something like that. Then you will not have to pay the VAT if you complete that form and opt out. So that saved them five hundred grand, which they thought they were never going to get back, or they were going to have to claim back through all this, that, and the next thing. But the point was they didn't want to put the half a million pounds up in the first place just to pay VAT, and the answer was they didn't have to. So form sixteen fourteen D. It allows you to opt out of paying VAT on commercial buildings. And that is the last relief we're going to talk about. And uh, we'll carry on in another episode with other reliefs. But if you want this, you haven't taken notes, you're driving. Hello at htrmoney.co.uk and we will give you the list. And you just need to take that list or send it to your accountant and say, do I qualify for any of these? What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And just ask the question and um you never know. might save you an awful lot of money. Right, and on excellent. tax-relieving bombshell, I have been Ray McLennan. And
1: it's a relief for me to say goodbye. It's me, Nigel Tevez. See you soon, folks.
0: Bye-bye. Oh, Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. The website has all the useful links and underlying research, and you can get downloads of the checklists and other useful information. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is who has yours?